Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and listeners of all ages, before we start with the season finale of the I Know You Hear Me podcast, I just want to take a minute to let all of you know that Saturday, February 4th, Somerset, Kentucky, 540 Highway 3057 at the Old Ferguson Gym, I will be debuting at Triple Crown Wrestling and giving them the Flynn Hendricks experience. And this will also be my first defense of the undisputed UCW Ultimate Southern States Championship. And my opponent is none other than a guy that I tried to put out of the business this time last year, Dominic McVeigh. Now, Dominic, you may be a skilled athlete. You may be a great high flyer. But when it comes time to get the job done, you do not measure up to me. You will not walk out of that building as champion. I will walk in champion, I will walk out champion, and move on to the next town with my title intact. So bring everything you got, because you're going to need it to survive the Flynn Hendricks experience. And I know you hear me. Welcome back, everybody, to another awesome, exciting episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast. And it's been a year and a half. It's been a year and a half. Here we are rounding out season three, and I'm just a little podcast host that's lost all track of time. But if this is your first episode, let me introduce myself. My name is Flynn Hendricks. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a professional wrestler. I'm an actor. I'm a voice actor. I'm a guy that doesn't get a lot of sleep. You name it, I probably do it or don't do it, depending on what it is. I don't know, but I'm doing a little bit of everything, and I've also... Lost all track of time because I cannot process that it's been a year and a half and we are wrapping up the third season of this podcast. And believe you me when I say we started this season off hot and we are going to wrap it up and go out with a bang going into season four. And if that's not enough to entice you with this being your first episode, if it is, to go back in the archives, this podcast is available on all streaming platforms. I'm going to make it easy for you. Wherever you get your podcast from, I am there. I have got over, man, uh, what did I say? A year and a half? Still processing that. I've got over a year and a half's worth of guests back in the archives for you to go back and do just a deep dive. Dive in head first. Start from the beginning. Go through everything. You're going to learn more about me. You're going to learn more about people in the voice acting realm teaching, wrestlers, you name it, entrepreneurs. I've got a little bit of something for everybody. And with it being, you know, February right now, you know, we're maybe having a little miss for some Halloween. So if you're looking for your spooky fix, go check out Tales from the Haunt, my other podcast, also available on all podcasting platforms. And because I like you all so much and I want you to stick around, I've got information in the show notes for how you can do that. Then... This is where I need your help here, guys. Leave a five-star and a written review if you think I've earned it. And feel free to check out the merchandise options that I have available as well because word of mouth and getting that merch out there is what's going to help keep this show going. And if you want to shout out on the podcast, take a picture. Show me a picture of you wearing and supporting with the merch I've got. Can be Flynn merch, Tales from the Haunt merch, I Know You Hear Me merch, doesn't matter. Take a picture. Tag me on social media and you'll get a shout out on the podcast and on socials. And then you'll also be getting word of mouth out to your friends and family because you're the one with the cool swag on and you're supporting some pretty cool podcasts. So I would greatly appreciate it. 
and then you can get connected on all social media platforms. And I know it sounds like I'm asking you guys to do a lot, but trust me, I want to keep this show going, and I want to keep bringing you great guests like the one that I have here today. But I'm going to stop rambling about what I need you to do, and I'm going to fill you in on some things that are going on with me before we get started here, because again, I'm still trying to process where the time has gone. But guys, the voice acting is picking up. The wrestling is picked up. UCW Ultimate Heavyweight Champion now. How does that happen? Um, we're getting closer to halfway to Halloween again, so I'm sure I got some more scare acting coming up. Everything is constantly in motion, and I am loving every minute of it, and I want to keep you guys updated on the ride. So please get connected on social media, and by all means, too, if you want to see me do a live podcast or like I've done at other conventions, if you want to see me get stunned live on stage, Get me in touch with people in your area because I want to come out to those conventions, do some live shows, have you stop by the booth, and I want to chat with you too. So let's make it happen. My information's in the show notes and we'll get it out there. But now, you have heard her advertise on this show from the beginning. She's not only a voiceover coach extraordinaire, that and that's selling her short by all means. I cannot do this woman justice. She is also a voice actor. She's an on-screen actor. She's a wife. She's a mother. She does it all, and she's still out there kicking butt, taking names, making con appearances. She's the host of Anime Adventures. You probably best know her as the voice of Pan on Dragon Ball GT. She's also someone that I am fortunate enough to call a mentor and now a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, long overdue, but it is my pleasure to have on the show tonight Elise Bowman. Elise, how are you? Wow, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I know, right? It only took a year and a half. How long, it, you know, where where did it go? Where did it go? I know. I, I've <laughs> been with you from the beginning since you right? even talked about doing this podcast, and I'm so excited about your success. And I appreciate that, too. And it's so crazy, too, that along the way, I've actually had, you know, like fellow students of yours on that I've met in other <laughs> workshops, not even knowing who they were, but whose name pops up, it's Elise. So... There I know, it is. it's crazy. What a small world. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let's, uh, I I'm excited to get into this, and I want to know more about you that we may not get a chance to talk about, you know, like when we had our sessions. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning of your story. Where did, let's you know, like, your love of acting come in? And then also, too, just your love of helping and coaching and guiding people along the way. Where did all of this develop for you? Oh, goodness. Okay, so acting was not something that was just in my bones from the get-go. Mm -hmm. I majored in accounting. I got my MBA. It was not my plan to be an actor, but I got interested in acting in grad school okay. and, and was actually working in corporate America when I started taking acting class. And the short version of it is I started taking an acting class. I loved the people that I worked with, mm -hmm. but I didn't love my job. And I went, Ooh, how can I turn acting into a career and not do accounting? I was working as financial analyst in the defense group of a corporation. And so I am one who, I mean, I think the only credit to my acting 
resume was like an eighth grade church play. That was about it. And so I was like, okay, how can I ask questions, do research, do all the things to find out how to turn acting into a career? And so that's what I did. I took classes. I asked questions. I got serious about it. I made my little checklist in my Excel spreadsheet, uh, which if you know me at all, you you will come Mm -hmm. to know that I love Excel spreadsheets. And so that's, that's exactly what I did. And I learned to turn acting into a career and I quit my job and went full speed ahead with on-camera acting first and then voiceover acting. And then I've been doing it ever since. And then you asked about coaching. Mm -hmm. So I've been coaching in some form or fashion since I was 17. It started with gymnastics because I, I played sports when I was younger and I did gymnastics and cheerleading and every sport imaginable. So Mm -hmm. I, taught gymnastics. I taught cheerleading. I taught all types of sports and then ended up doing on-camera coaching and then voiceover coaching was next. And I just love coaching in whatever form or fashion. And so it was kind of natural that I would do on-camera and voiceover coaching. And I was so fortunate to have good coaches and good mentors in my life. And so I love passing it forward and helping others get started, whether they want to do on camera or teleprompter work or voiceover coaching, which is mostly what I'm doing right now is voiceover coaching. I love passing it forward to other people. Absolutely. And so much of the story of transitioning from corporate to, you know, acting that that hits close to home on so many different levels. So mm-hmm. I, again, I feel like that's one of those reasons that I'm just, I'm drawn to you and I feel like why things clicked so much because that's that's the path that I'm on right now. Yeah, you and I have talked about that Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely, you are making that transition. Yep, slowly but surely. Uh, took one <laughs> big step towards that. As we're recording, uh, that big step will take place next week, but still, still yeah. moving along that path. And as this record or as this drops, I don't, I can't say what the future is going to hold by that point, but we'll see. I'm keeping... Well, I can't wait to see what happens for you. Absolutely, and it's the auditions keep coming in, so something's going right, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, going to the coaching thing, especially, um, yeah. I don't want to jump the gun too much on it, but you know, like having the in-person coaching, especially growing up with uh, you know gymnastics and cheerleading, and doing a lot of this stuff face to face, and then with the pandemic happening, you know, which is crazy to say now almost three years ago what was it like transitioning from you know like face to face having that real person to person connection to having to do it all behind a computer screen well it was definitely a a transition and a change because of course you love to be in person with people and I was doing a lot of you know, on camera and voiceover coaching in person. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you can pick up on those nonverbal cues and you, there's nothing like seeing people in person, but as so many of us did, whatever our careers were and whatever path we were on, you just learn to adjust. And so I found that there are some, you know, like the cliche goes, blessing, there are blessings in disguise. Mm-hmm. And so what did happen, even though we can't pick up on the nonverbal uh, communications, you it opens up a world where you're able to work with people in cities and states that I would have never been able to work with. Absolutely. And so that part has been really great. Absolutely. And that's, 
that's the one thing that has been like the silver lining of the pandemic for me is because I'm not in one of those major markets, but mm-hmm. you know, it gave me the chance to get in connect with you and yeah. do coaching there, do coaching with people in LA and New York. And it's just, if I can do it from home, like that's the dream more than any, of course I want to be in a studio, but man, doing it from my, my home, that's, that's a dream right there. That's a dream come true. I know. I, I You're so right. And I think it opened up so many things for actors in general who are in smaller cities who may not be in major markets. It's opened up opportunities for voice actors and even on-camera actors. They're able to audition from home and work from home where they may not have been able to do that before the pandemic. So, you know, of course, we don't want we don't wish COVID upon the world. Right, right. There's a silver lining, like you said, to to everything, and I think that is one thing. It's opened up so much for all of us. Of course. In, in those areas as actors. Absolutely. And then on top of that, too, I, I want to go back to something you mentioned um, mm-hmm. with the transition out from corporate America to the acting realm. What was it like with your family when they found out you wanted to make that change? Because this is always fascinating because it seems like <laughs> – Everybody can have a similar, you know, a similar story or a very different story. What was that like uh, as far as the support system goes? So my parents were a bit shocked because I was a very practical child and did what was expected. And this was not something that anybody expected of me. And so they were shocked because my first move was to quit my corporate job and moved to LA for a summer to pursue acting. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it was the first time we disagreed on something. Right. And, and I don't, I don't know what their big worry was. Now they've come around, of course, and they're so supportive, but it was a big adjustment for everyone. And it was a big, it was a leap of faith for sure, because you're leaving the comfort of, I had a salaried job at the Mm -hmm. time. So it was leaving the comfort of a salaried job going at the time I was just going for a summer to LA. So going for a summer to LA to see what, what it was like, not having a salaried position, uh, just taking little jobs here and there. So it was a big change and they, I really had to use my persuasive communication skills to bring them around to my way of thinking. Absolutely. And I, I understand that too, because I think, you know, your parents and my parents are definitely probably from the same generation where having that corporate job or having that salary structure, that's just what you did. Like you didn't really think about going and pursuing these extracurriculars as a way to provide for yourself. So Mm -hmm. while they may have been supportive on the inside, they're naturally hesitant because that's something that they're not aware of, or they just, you know, like that's not what they grew up with. Yeah. And we didn't know, I didn't know anybody who was an actor. We didn't Maybe there were one or two people from my hometown who who went to L.A. to be actors, but nobody we mm-hmm. knew and could speak to personally to get that experience. So when I went to L.A., it was just I was on my own. So it was completely foreign to go have this experience. So it was also scary because, you know, for anybody, the fear of the unknown can oh, be yeah. one of the worst fears and so they were scared I was so excited but they were a little scared so it it took a little time for them to see okay she's gonna be okay she's she's mentally okay she's financially okay Mm -hmm. you know it's gonna be okay so it was a growing experience for all of us for sure absolutely and then when you did get out there to LA 
How did you keep yourself grounded and not get overwhelmed with not only being in a new large city, but just like you said, you didn't have that salary structure. You didn't have everything that you were accustomed to. How did you adapt and keep yourself grounded and on the right path during all that? Well, when it came to budgeting, so I still was an accounting major, yep. so I did budget out my summer and knew what the plan was. And then I don't mind being a small fish in a big pond, and I don't mind asking 100 questions. And so I would, you know, email anybody, anybody going, oh, maybe my sister's cousin's brother's uncle's sister knows somebody who's an actor uh -huh. and so that's what I did and I just asked a lot of questions and then I got into classes and I studied at the groundlings which is known for improv and I bucket list took, yeah. Uh, oh yeah and so I just took a lot of classes and then you meet actors who know agents who know photographers and so I just kind of dove in head first Absolutely. so that's not something that overwhelms me and I met really cool people and I think you get what you look look for when you go into those situations you know I, I had a preacher who said you get what you look you're looking for you can look at a rose bush and some people will see the roses and some people will see the thorns. Mm -hmm. I was moving to LA looking for roses and I found roses Absolutely. and I had a beautiful, wonderful experience. So I didn't get overwhelmed by the experience. Absolutely. And that's such a, that's such a great way to, you know, I like just hammer it home to people too, that it's all what you put out in the universe that comes back to you. And it's all mm -hmm. in the positive mindset or the negative mindset that you imply every day. And that's, that's amazing to hear. And then, like, you mentioned improv, too. Like, getting to, yeah. like, perform at, at the Groundlings. That's insane. That's awesome. Well, uh, I didn't perform. Uh, I just took classes. That, sorry, that's so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, different. I moved too fast to go through all the levels. But just even studying at the Groundlings was amazing. Oh, absolutely. And then that's something that's come up, too. Uh, I know because of Sunny Straight, I actually, you know, took the deep dive into improv, but mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. so many voice actors and just different actors in general that improv is like, you hear it comes up in their story more often than not. Was that something that was on your radar as far as being an actor that you wanted to have on your resume? Or was that something that just people had recommended, you know, that you look into? It came up as I got into acting, it came up very quickly because I felt like a lot of people had theater training, which mm -hmm. I did not, you know, besides that eighth grade play. That right, right. Still counts. <laughs> yeah, still counts. Um, so I feel like people had theater, had a theater background or a lot of people I talked to had an improv background. And I was very fortunate because when I was starting in Dallas as an actor, there was a founding member from the Groundlings, actually who came to Dallas and started the same type of program in Dallas where you had to move through each level and get promoted. And then once you made it through the levels, you could get asked to be in the troupe. So I did perform in an improv troupe here in Dallas for about a year before the troupe shut down. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, I mean, whether it's theater or improv, it's such a great foundation for acting, for any type of acting, whether oh, yeah. you want to do on camera or voiceover acting. It was so fantastic. And I'm glad that I did that early on in my career. I just loved it. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's something that can help you. I found it out too. It can help you in everyday life because you just yeah. you learn to be in the moment and not be so stressed out or trying to think three steps ahead of a situation that probably won't even occur. So you're just running yourself through these scenarios that won't even happen. It really 
grounds you and just lets you exist and then you're you're free to respond how you see fit it's it's really empowering when you get into that and you have an understanding and you have people that you can perform and bounce off of and it's it's just an amazing feeling and I'm doing a horrible job of actually selling it but it's, no, you're not. You're doing a great job. And in fact, I love what you said. It's good for everybody mm-hmm. because I think I may have even been still doing a little bit of corporate when I started. And at the time I was like, oh, this will be good whether I continue giving presentations in my job or yep. I decide to pursue acting because it just helps us be I think you said this, be in the moment Absolutely. for whatever we're doing. So I kind of recommend improv for oh, yeah. everyone. And I've speaking of corporate too, I've even seen yeah. it, especially around my area where they offer, you know, like they offer classes for corporate, you know, like corporate groups to come in and just do an improv thing together and just kind of like be able to take that and apply it to, you know, future business meetings or presentations like you said as well. So it's becoming it's becoming more of a mainstream thing, I think, in in the public eye too. So it's it's cool to see it get out there and more people actually implement it outside of acting. Absolutely. Yeah, we have some groups here who do Im- perform improv on the weekends, but they also go into corporations and do improv training with corporate groups for that very reason. It's so great. It's a it's a genius idea for sure. I, I can't mm-hmm. say that enough. But speaking of everything now, like I mentioned, you know, several voice actors have constantly said that they, they did improv and that's how they met. That's how they got their career started. With all of that, with your training, going to L.A., when did voiceover and voice acting come into uh, what you're doing now? It came pretty early on. So I started with On Camera. I wanted to get into voice acting about two years into it, and I went to my agent and Mm -hmm. said, I want to get into voice acting, and she was very tactful, but also kind of said, well, sweetie, we have professionals who do that. She'd probably shoot me if I... (laughs) If she heard me doing that accent, because that's not exactly how she said it. But right, right. But I didn't have experience, and she gave me my to-do list, which you know I mentioned I love little checklists. Mm-hmm. And the to-do list was basically take classes, get a voiceover demo produced, start getting some training. So I was working through my to-do list, but at the same time I was in that improv troupe that I mentioned. And that improv troupe, uh, we went to, there were a couple couple of us who went to dinner one night and Mike McFarland was in an improv troupe who was performing the same night. So there were only about six of us, but Mike was at dinner with us and a couple other people and they were talking about anime. And I wasn't super familiar with anime at the time, but I loved animation. And when they were talking about doing anime voices, I was like, oh, how can I get an audition for this? I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And so Mike, and for those of you who may not recognize the name, if you know Dragon Ball at all, Mike is Master Roshi. He was a director for Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. He still directs to this day. Oh, yeah. So, yes. So he's very familiar to a lot of anime fans. And so he did get me the audition for Pan on Dragon Ball GT. I auditioned auditioned and somehow miraculously booked it and you know 65 episodes later and a movie and then you know many video games after that I had a voiceover career but when when I first started recording for Dragon Ball GT I did go to my agent and and said oh 
guess what? And she was like, okay, well, I guess you're a, a voice actor now. <laughs> and so uh, when people ask, you know, what character I like, I love Pan for many reasons, for her just as a standalone character, but also because after I started working on Dragon Ball GT, I booked other anime characters, mm -hmm. I booked commercials and corporate jobs and audiobooks and so many other things. So I'm very sentimental about Pan for many reasons. Of course. So that's what that's how I got into voiceover. And that's uh I guess when that happened too, I guess Funimation would have been back at the bank the the famous bank yeah. building and yeah. The famous so, bank building. And that's yes. that actually brings up something that I didn't realize, but I, I learned that. from one of your anime adventures interviews. Um you were interviewing Cynthia Kranz and like you'd mentioned that your voices had been on several projects together and same with multiple other voice actors, but you guys didn't end up meeting in person till several years later. So yes. what was that dynamic like as an actor to, you know, like quote unquote work with these people, but never actually be in studio with them or meet them face to face until, like I said, multiple years later, what was that like? Yeah, so I love that you picked up on that with my interview because Cynthia, the voice of Chi-Chi and many other great characters. Mm -hmm. So I think the first time I met her was actually on a panel at KameaCon, maybe KameaCon 2 or 3, or at the convention, but then we were on a panel together. Yep. And it's so funny that we had just never met. So some people I did meet, but... You know, for if people are familiar with anime, they know that we record one at a time. So it's different than animation, which is done, you know, here in the U.S. and it's prelay. And sometimes you can record with several people at one time. Yep. But so there were people who I would pass in the hall at Funimation and I would see them and talk to them. And there were some people who I would see at Funimation parties because we did used to have events or Christmas parties. But then there were some people like Cynthia, I just never saw her. We, our paths never crossed. So it is interesting to be in scenes with certain people or to be in not even scenes, but in shows with certain people, but not to see them. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a, an interesting dynamic. And then what's it like just out of curiosity, because I, I've <clears> had this experience with like people I've acted with in improv or in, you know, in different workshops, and then you meet them in person and it's like, you've known them for all this time. Is it kind Ooh. of the same dynamic when something like that happens as well? Or does it just in, in y'all's case, maybe depend on the person? Yeah, well, I think it is that same dynamic. For Cynthia, for example, the minute I met her, I went, oh, I knew I would love you, and I do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the anime world in general, I, I can't think of a single actor I've met and didn't love. There's right. just this cool dynamic with the anime world. And that goes for actors. It goes for convention artists and exhibitors and cosplayers there's just this camaraderie that you can't explain and there i haven't really met divas so right. i i love when i get to meet them for the first time or when i haven't seen them for a long time and then you see them at a convention and it's a voice actor you haven't seen for a long time and you go oh my gosh it feels like i have known you for the longest time like linda young i oh, hadn't yeah hadn't met in person 
until the convention world, which I didn't start doing conventions until 2018. I somehow didn't get the memo about conventions. So right, I was right. Oh, that's that's going to come up for sure. That's going to come yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people I just, but her son, I had known for a long time, John Bergmeier. Right, so I'd known right. him a long time. So it is this really neat little camaraderie and club. It, so it's fun. And it's so crazy too. I'm just thinking about it now because so much of what you said is, almost like nail like hammer on the head of the nail oh, with wrestling mm-hmm. too where you you don't oh, see it? these people for so long but then you pick right back up like you never like you never had like a 6 month gap in seeing each other it, it's it's crazy how that camaraderie and that family dynamic really is there well i think you're right it's that commonality it i mean is. even like i've got artist friends and cosplayer friends and i haven't you know if i don't see them for a year and then see them at a convention you're like oh my goodness it's it feels like my long lost friend that i haven't seen in a year and a half exactly it really does so with with a character like pan too and Mm -hmm. like even with dragon ball gt where the internet has made it a a famous thing now where people will debate is it canon or you know like is dragon ball super better who cares it's all dragon ball i love it what does it mean for you to have a character like pan that has just stood the test of time throughout everything now like what does that mean for you that people still recognize you as that voice and is that part of what did lead you into getting into the convention world or how did that come into play well i mean i just love being part of the entire dragon ball franchise Mm -hmm. and there was an actor friend whom he said oh goodness you need to be part of the convention world why aren't you doing conventions and i and so I jumped into it. Have I, I did one or two the year that I recorded, you know, the year GT was released. Right, right. Um, but I, I think I didn't realize how big a deal it was. You don't mm-hmm. realize how big the series is until you get into the convention world. So it's it still is a bit amazing how much people love dragon ball i think my fate like one of my favorite stories is i was at a convention and there was a grandfather a young grandfather but Mm -hmm. a grandfather with his son and then with his his son so a grandson and it was three generations who had watched dragon ball and you go oh isn't that cool that three generations can share that so just to be part of that fandom and then i'm a part of a lot of dragon ball facebook groups so Mm -hmm. just to be part of that is amazing because when you're recording you don't really think about that but then when you go to conventions and you're aware of how it impacts several generations it's really cool absolutely i mean it's it's a very humbling experience and i've heard these stories too but like just from my perspective, you know, that's what I did grow up on. That's what got me through middle mm. school and start of high school. And now, like I said, you're somebody I consider a friend. You're a mentor. And just it, it blows the inner child in me's mind that <laughs> I'm getting to associate, learn, and in some cases, you know, work with these people that were the voices of my childhood. Like, that's just, that's awe-inspiring. But then, too, like getting to see my son get involved in it. And then, you know, introducing him to some of these people is just absolutely insane to think about. But, I mean, like, just in hearing the stories people say about how it got them through these hard times or mm. how it made that impact or, or motivated them to name a name a child after a character or something like that, it's just, 
you like you said you don't realize the impact that this medium has on people but it's it's insane how powerful it really is that's what's mind-blowing to me too because one of my first conventions was in savannah georgia Mm -hmm. and there was somebody who came to my table and we chatted and had a great conversation and then he came back later and he said you know i just want you to know that GT, I was going through a really rough time and I won't share any details, but I was going through a rough time and this, this is what got me through. And I just like, it'll, it made me choke up and I've choked up talking about it, but I, I just had no idea Mm -hmm. how it could impact people. And so you, you just love hearing those type stories. And I've also, heard stories because of anime adventures, you know, I also have social media where I will ask questions on my social media for anime adventures and people will say, Oh, I love Goku because he made me realize that I could overcome or I like Mm -hmm. another character for this reason. It gave me strength. So just hearing that people identify with certain characters and whether it's Dragon Ball or another anime show, Because it gives them strength and helps them through a hard time. It's really cool to hear that. Absolutely. I mean, it really is. And then something that you you just made my job easy to, to transition into anime adventures. For mm-hmm. me as an anime fan, too, like, it, it's so cool to see that these people are still, like, invested in these characters that they may have voiced, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But they're now aware of the impact that it's having on these fans and these people and they get to interact with them. They get to ask questions through you. And it, like, it's just an awesome way that you're not only giving back to the voice actors, but you're giving back to the fans as well. So what what led you to starting Anime Adventures? Well, thank you very much. Of course. When I, so I actually started Anime Adventures the very first time con uh, in 2018 once I you know restarted into the convention world mm-hmm. it was my first convention back was in San Antonio and I thought well two things part of it was oh you know I have a camera and a microphone let me try this the going back though I really put a lot of thought into it and talked to my husband and thought you know I've got unique access to these actors that not everybody does. And yeah. I maybe I can give anime fans some insight into their favorite characters. Absolutely. And and so that was my real intention. And it's even been fascinating for me as a voice actor because as voice actors, a lot of times we're in a studio by ourselves or during COVID we're in our home studios. And so you don't always get to hear what other actors are thinking. And so I love interviewing actors and finding out how they get started, got started or finding out the physicality of voice acting or what they like to bring to the character or just things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Mm -hmm. So it's been a real treat for me. And then I, I just love bringing that behind the scenes and that, insight so that people can just see the faces and hear the hear about the person behind their favorite characters absolutely and i mean like one of the things too that's been really cool for me to see um like you mentioned earlier you know linda young's son john bergmeyer he's mm-hmm. not a guy that does a lot of interviews so seeing you like get to have that interaction with him and hear some more of his backstory because you know like some friends of mine and even previous guests on this show have mentioned you know like growing up with him or going to college with him, being in the industry with him and watching him grow and take on more roles, but you don't really get to hear it from him. So seeing you give us that perspective 
and have that interview. That's that's an awesome thing to see. And then on top of that, too, like you mentioned, like the physicality, I believe one mm-hmm. you dropped not too long ago as we're recording. Linda Young mentioned that she doesn't even like do the physicality. She just right. gets in the mind space. And that's absolutely insane for me to think about because I'm a very physical person. But I, I just too. love hearing the diversities of everything and. It's something that's so cool to hear, and I just, I know I sound like a broken record saying that, but I just love the dynamic that it brings and that it opens up for us as fans, too. Even though I'm a voice actor myself, I'm still a fan, and I love hearing what these people that are have paved the way for me to get in have done and what they still do. Yeah, well, I think whether you're just an anime fan or just a voice actor or the combo, like you said, a fan and a voice actor it just gives you so many new perspectives. I I mean, like I said, I love hearing them my, myself, but it gives you new perspectives that you can't always find in one place. Or that's at least what I hope to accomplish. I'm still learning as I go. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think one thing, too, that really sticks out about that is just how, like, your personality and just what you bring to the table, your aura, just automatically makes it feel like there's an instant chemistry between you and whoever you talk to, even if it is the first time you may have maybe meeting them or seeing them in person. But, you know, like seeing you and I think Chris Rager and Josh Martin, two of my absolute (laughs) favorites, and you're sitting there interacting like your characters would on TV or like on Dragon Ball. And it just like it makes the whole thing fun. And it doesn't even seem like it's forced. It just seems natural. And that's that totally reels me into all this oh thank you and I have a funny story with that too because I am not a videographer or a sound engineer but I have taught myself to do that and sometimes now I will have a team come with me but in the beginning it was just me figuring it all out and so Chris and Josh were one of my first two people to interview we Mm -hmm. were in Savannah I thought I had my camera on and my sound going and we did this interview and they of course were hilarious I looked down the sound isn't going oh no (laughs) and so uh, I'm like okay uh so we're gonna have to do this tomorrow and you're gonna have to be just as funny and do it again well, of course, they are such good sports. They did it again. They were hilarious because if you've seen the interview, they oh, yeah. were charming and hilarious and they made me laugh throughout and they were absolutely willing to do it again. But I was like, you know, guys, this is what you get when a beginner sound and camera person runs things. So I love that, that they were just so willing for whatever. Absolutely. And just to make it easy for everybody, too, because I want them to go check it out, there will be links in the show notes to the YouTube channel. So if, you, if you're getting what I'm putting down, you're going to know what to do, and you're going to have a lot of content to go get caught up on. Oh, yeah. Because it's so easy. YouTube.com slash Anime Adventures. There it is. And I Super know I think we've, we've even ran some ads on here for it, and we've actually uh-huh. had some crossover with some different guests on here, too. So yes, you've interviewed yeah. some of mine and, and vice versa. So... Who knows? Maybe one day we'll get a live uh, anime adventures, and I know you hear me, but we'll manifest that and see if it happens. So One day, yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that. So here, here's my next question, and this is one mm-hmm. that I think we both share because you're married, you have a child, I'm married, mm-hmm. I have two children, we have family life, we have sports going on, um, 
just found out that my son progressed to the next level of his baseball tournament. So we got another game to play this week. And then, you know, like all this stuff goes on around us. Life is crazy. Like you said, we're humans. We adapt. We move on. Mm -hmm. How do you assume all these responsibilities, still be mom and wife at home, but coach an individual session, coach a group session, record a voiceover session, you know, record an anime adventures or do the con appearances. How do you maintain all this and not get overwhelmed? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I get overwhelmed. We, so faith is important in our family. So that keeps us grounded. My husband and I have very open lines of communication. So we're always checking in to make sure that we are keeping things going. We have family meetings. I time block, which is a very nerdy thing, but I just structure my day. My husband and I set goals. Like we've done that since we were engaged. So we set annual goals and revisit them. So we try to set some, I believe that structure creates freedom, which for some people, it sounds counterintuitive, but we have always tried to create structure so that we have freedom in our lives. So those are just a few things that we do to maintain our sanity. And then sometimes you just, you feel overwhelmed and go, ah, I'm overwhelmed. I just got to plow through. Yep. Just roll with the punches and keep it going. And I know just Man, it's so crazy to say now that, you know, like it'll be over a year and a half ago at this point. But I know, you know, when we first started having the health issues with uh, with one of our pets, that's unfortunately no longer with us. Mm -hmm. You know, we we would have scheduled sessions and I would have to to contact you because I'm sitting in traffic trying to bring him home from the emergency bed or or, you know, or whatever it would be. And I would feel guilty about not being able to do that. But you would talk me through it and get me through it and help keep me on the right path and have that structure to keep getting to where, you know, I started booking more jobs and started doing this and started doing that. And it started, you know, the repetition started paying off. And like you said, it it sounds counterintuitive, but you teach what you practice in your everyday life. And I think that's why it's so valuable because that structure and that repetition of what matters ends up paying off and giving you that freedom at the end. And that may sound absolutely insane to somebody, but it's my story and I'm sticking to it because I've lived it. Well, and it's not that life isn't hard. And I think I understood your circumstance because as I've shared with you one-on-one, my husband has an autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. that requires chemo and he's been on oral chemo for many years and he's on IV chemo. So we have definitely gone through our struggles. And so that is where faith and family support and the support of your friends, all of that come in, comes into play. So it's not that life is easy, but you've got to create systems in place so that you can get through it. And so when you had things like your dog having health issues, it was easy for me to identify because dogs are like family members yep. for you and for other Furry people. Kids. Yeah, and you just need to, to have people who understand what you're going through. Absolutely, because there, there are some people that will be understanding, and then, you know, unfortunately, there are some people that will just have no understanding. That That's just the way the world works, but mm-hmm. thankfully, working with you and getting to know you, I know which side of the coin you land on, and I'm grateful that you know that you got to pass that on to me and I know you're passing it on to other people as well because 
anybody that I know that has taken a class with you or done coaching with you does nothing but sing your praises and the positivity that you bring to it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, and I think you and I, you mentioned earlier, we're friends now. You and I have had this great working relationship where we're always looking out for each other and it's fantastic for me as well. Yes. And it's, it's so like, again, like I said, the inner child in me from like the early two thousands is just like having a panic attack right now because (laughs) again, these people that I grew up on are now friends and peers and it's just absolutely insane. But again, it's, it's like you said, it's very, it's mutual to both of us because Mm -hmm. we're looking out for each other. If there's an opportunity or something coming up, word goes to you or word comes to me yeah. and it, it's not so much about like how does this benefit me it's how can I help my friend you know how can I pay it back or whatever you want to say but it, it's what the basically what you should do in everyday life no matter what look out yeah. for your people in your support system do unto others as you would have them do unto you because you've it. been so great about helping me and looking out for me as well. So it's definitely been a friendship and something that we are looking out for the best interest of each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like guys, if you haven't guessed it by now, I can't sing her praises enough, especially with coaching and every chance I get, I will run one of those ads and try and point somebody in your direction because I, the words I say in my own testimonial about it are 100% true. You got me through that long dry spell of not booking and then when it happened boom and you know like we we talked about one recently that i booked on friday the 13th yeah it's just like again that's just not bragging but it's like hey it's still happening i went through a dry spell here it comes again and there we go yes well thank you i appreciate that of course well man this has been fun with me throwing some questions your way but uh Man, this trend has gone on over the last two seasons now, and it's taken on a life of its own, and people seem to enjoy me being put on the spot. Okay. So I don't know what's going to be coming other than five questions. We're going to call it in the ring. So I am at your mercy whenever you want to start grilling me. Okay. Well, I didn't pre-decide on the questions because I wanted to do it based on how the conversation went. So I do want to hear... And I know other people have asked you this, but with all the craziness and the ups and downs of life, how do you keep grounded and how do you keep sane and not get so overwhelmed? Well, I I don't want to take the easy way out and say that I don't know. I just keep going, but (laughs) Uh I kind of just keep going and I, I try to have a structure, but again, sometimes life gets crazy and it all just goes out the window. So mm-hmm. I just, I sacrifice sleep if I need to, and I get done what I need to get done. And I've gotten better about listening to myself and trusting my mm. intuition on something where normally, like, again, like leaving my job, which is, is crazy to say, but Ooh. you know, when they say respect is no longer being served at the table, you have to know when to get up and leave. In the past, I would stay there and just, you know, not just keep going and tell myself it would get better and it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But having a family, having kids and all that, that's what grounds me. And it, even though I dropped the ball, I beat myself up over it. But setting an example for them is, is what really drives me to make sure that they know things don't have to be permanent. Things don't have to be final. And even like getting into stress therapy and being able to finally open up about this and having a better way to communicate 
keeps mm-hmm. me grounded because I know too that okay, I'm not alone. I'm not just making this scenario up in my head. There are other people that are going through the same thing and I'm not going to be a burden if I do it. So I don't have to keep carrying all that load on my shoulders. And that keeps me grounded. So I'm hoping too that if I open up, it will teach my kids, like my oldest, my six-year-old is in his grumpy phase right now, you know, just kids being kids. But I want him to see too that, hey, even if you can't communicate it, you can come to dad for a hug. And that that's what keeps me grounded more than anything else is just being an example for my family more than anything. Mm, that's so good. And I took a long way around answering that. I apologize, but no, I liked that. Well, and that'll hopefully help somebody else. Because Absolutely. We all have hard things. We all get overwhelmed. And that's something that I've heard before the phrase of I can do hard things, mm-hmm. but you know how certain things stick with you in different oh, yeah. points of your life. And so just about two months ago, I heard somebody say, I can do hard things. And the past month was actually hard, like some good opportunities and some challenging things. But I just kept kind of repeating, huh, I can do hard things. And it helped me plow through. And so I, I love that right now. So, okay, I'm going to change gear, gears okay. completely. What was one of your favorite things about professional wrestling? Oh man, it's still and it's still going on too. That's what's crazy. I know crazy. it's still um, going on. That's yeah. I think the favorite thing more than anything else is um is the adrenaline rush, and that's what I was mm-hmm. chasing for so long. Um, you know, when I stepped away each of those times, and I didn't know about voice acting the first couple times, mm-hmm. but it, it's I don't want to put it in these terms, but it's a drug that you can't that you can't get that high from anywhere else other than performing. And I, I found it again when I started acting and improv and, you know, voice acting, I found that, but it's, it's always the high you get that when you first walk through the curtain, in my case, when they're booing me, but when they're doing that, or they're just getting so involved in the match and you're manipulating everything as you tell that story, the reactions that you get, that that's my favorite thing about it. Hands down. Okay, well, and you were kind of teasing at an answer to another question I wanted to ask, which is, is there a similarity to the feeling that you get between wrestling and acting? And if so, what is that? Um, I'll be honest. There are several similarities where they've like gone hand in hand where one has helped me for the other or one has helped mm-hmm. me come back better on the other. But I will say the similarity is... I have gotten more, as we call it in wrestling, blown up. I have gotten more blown up and exhausted. Like, even in some of our sessions, and I may have, you may have picked up on it or I may have just hit it, but, mm-hmm. like, in some of the reads we do or some of the auditions I've sent in, like, getting into these characters that are just so grandiose and so, like, just over the top and physical in what they do, it that will get you and that I, I've gotten more exhausted doing that mm-hmm. or performing in a workshop with, um, you know, another guest on the show and one of your students, Corey, uh, that we did for bang yeah. zoom a while back, like doing that in front of that crowd after that anticipation and everything is built up when you're one of the last people to go. And you know, like you do that and you, you're exhausted, you're sweaty, you're shaking and you only did a mm-hmm. two minute scene, but it's like the, the adrenaline dump that just, drains it out of your body that's that's across both both mediums oh 
that's interesting. But it's so rewarding when you get that feeling, too, because I was told um, by, you know, a lot of people will know the name of William Regal in the wrestling world. He subscribes to the mentality that if you're not exhausted by the time that you come back through a curtain, you've mm -hmm. cheated the audience because you didn't give them your all. So, oh, well, in in doing interviews, too, I've had people like Neil Kaplan say he mm -hmm. came out of a session for a video game. And he was completely exhausted and sweating. Oh, yeah. And so there are, and I hadn't really thought about it because I've only recently gotten to know the world of wrestling. And it's because mm -hmm. I've started doing conventions. And you go, wow, there are some similarities oh, there. Oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, too. I actually, um, as we're recording, like I'm five days removed from, but uh, we, we had a live performance. Uh, I can't go into too many details for legal reasons, mm -hmm. but... Haunted House themed, um, performing a scene from a famous movie. I, you know, you think two gallons of water is enough to keep somebody hydrated, but oh no, yeah. doing that same scene mm. for three hours in that night, you, I, I got overheated, I got dehydrated, but I kept going, and believe you me, when I walked out, I felt every bit of that, and I felt it for the next two days too, but man, like the reactions people would give me in that in that scene were just like... Okay, it was worth it. I feel stupid, but man, it was worth it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. So what is your favorite thing about being a podcast host? Um, I think it's the fact that I get to talk to so many people. And of course, uh, Jeff is over here pointing at him. Of course, I love Jeff. But uh, <laughs> it, it's the fact that I meet, I meet these people and a lot of them, like I've had best-selling authors on here that I have never met or had conversations with outside of some back and forth emails to get everything booked and set up. But I come away like realizing that I just talked to somebody that I feel like I've known my entire life. Ooh. And it's just like an open line of communication that is so rewarding because I just feel like I'm having a, a, a friendly conversation with somebody, but then even somebody like, you know, mutual friend of ours. And you mentioned him, Rick Robertson. Yeah. He, I love Rick. He said it was just like having a conversation with a friend, and that's the highest form of praise I can get because then I feel like I've just made a new friend, and I've known him forever before that. So that's that's really the most rewarding thing right there. Yeah, that's exactly what he told me when y'all were done. Like, oh, it just felt like a conversation. My job is okay. done then. <laughs> yeah, boom, mic drop. Okay, last question. All right. If you had to pick a mantra or words to live by that you are trying to live by in the next year that you would like to share with somebody who is listening as words of encouragement, what would you pick? And I feel like we need some Jeopardy music or something. Oh, yeah. To um, give you time. <laughs> the, the obvious answer, I feel like it'd be the obvious answer for me would just be not only the name of the podcast, but my wrestling catchphrase of, I know you hear me, but I think more than anything, Mm -hmm. it's it's as simple as know your worth because it, it's it's still a hard thing for me to accept but like mm -hmm. working with you and and talking to you and so many other people has put a lot of things in perspective where like I don't want to say that I've been overly humble but I definitely have not given myself the credit that I need to give myself and yeah. I, I don't see that I bring enough to the table or whatever it may be when I need to realize uh, you bring plenty you are enough so know your worth and believe in yourself because 
people around you believe in you, so mm -hmm. you need to start doing it too. I love that. I also love what you said, you are enough. I think more people need to believe that, that they are enough. Absolutely. And that's that's something, too, that was a hard lesson for me to learn transitioning into voice acting. But um, I guess I I'll name drop here for a second. But Richard Dude. Horvitz, if anybody knows Angry oh, Beavers and Vader Zim, such a good guy. He, yes. he mentioned, too, that in voiceover, there's room at the table for everybody. And if you have to yes. add an extra spot at the table, do it. And there's... There's no wrong, there's just different. There's unique, because there's only one Elise, there's only one Flynn, and what you bring to a character is not what, you know, Jeff over here may bring to a character, and just because you weren't picked for a role doesn't mean you were bad, doesn't mean you were terrible, it just means you weren't what they were looking for, but that does not discredit what you brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Absolutely, and it's, it's, it's a hard lesson to... Harder lesson to learn yourself than you would think, but man, when you do, it's just like the light comes down through the clouds, the gates open, <laughs> all all bets are off. But it's yes. a it's a powerful thing too, and if anybody can learn that, by all means, take it and run with it. Absolutely, man. Those were some great questions, and again, we're, we've done two seasons of that now, and very like every every person's questions are so diverse and so unique, and Again, I swear, I don't know them ahead of time. Only one person has tried to send them beforehand, and I deleted the email. Oh. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where, like, and even if a question may get asked more than once, uh, another layer is peeled back where I may have forgotten to mention something the first time, so it adds more mm -hmm. to it. It's so it's so fun, and it's so unique. So now i got to see if we can keep that going or if we need to spice it up for the next season. But I like it, though. I almost wrote wrote them out ahead of time, but I was like, no, I want to see where the conversation takes us, I and then it. I'll just come out, come up with them on the spot. I love it, and as I think i got to give credit to Jeff for naming that, calling it in the ring, because that's, that's what right, you do wrestling-wise, so there it is. I wonder he was pointing to himself. <laughs> <laughs> see, he, he knows his worth. <laughs> yes. But man, this is this has not felt like we've been talking for almost an hour here. Like this oh, is it just hasn't. No, this is not at all. by, and it's just like one of our one of our sessions. It just flew by, just like that. But flew by. You are awesome. Thank you. I, you are so fantastic. For you those wondering, I paid her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he really didn't. <laughs> but this is this has made my job so easy tonight as an interviewer and. I, I'm so honored that you thought enough of me to not only advertise with this show, but to also cap off season three of this podcast, which again, I'm still in awe of where wow. the time went, how far this show has gone, and what all has come of it since, but man, we're starting it off big here. I have no doubt that you will be back again, and... I'm just going to go ahead and put it out in the world. There's going to probably be some live in-person interviews at some point in the future. Yes. We will make that happen, and I'm just going to keep bringing everybody some quality content and awesome guests like yourself because we start the season off big with somebody like a Dan Severn. We end it with somebody like Elise Bowman. What do you think is in store for season four? It's only Ooh. onwards and upwards from there. What do you say about that, Jeff? He's giving the thumbs up over here. I know Elise is on board too. I've given the thumbs up. Yes, yes. Well, man, I, I, again, I can't appreciate you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to not only come on here and chat with me, but just be so generous, be so open, and have some fun with me along the way. It mean it means the world. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I am honored. Of course, of course. And I can't tell everybody listening how much it means that y'all keep tuning in. You keep telling your friends. You even tell the random guy on the street. Hopefully he subscribed like y'all did. He left that five-star review. He got some merch, and he's going to get his shout-out next week. But, you know, until then, guys, go get caught up in the archives. Go check out the link for Anime Adventures in the show notes. Go enjoy these videos. They are some quality content, and you will not be disappointed. And listen to my interviews with some of Elise's guests, and then listen to hers and do them as a companion piece. It's even more fun for everybody. We all win. We all have a good, fun time. But I'm going to call it a night right here, so Elise, thank you again. Oh, thank you. Of course, of course. I'm going to call it for Jeff. I'm going to call it for Elise. We all thank you for tuning in. We can't thank you enough for your time. We hope you enjoyed it. And until I come back to you next week, go out in the world, do some good, and do some good for yourself too. And we'll talk to you again next time with another awesome guest in Season 4. And I know you you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.